Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Luke John Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we have a treat in store for you guys. Uh, our guest is Matt Carl, and Matt is a EMF certified business coach and business advisor with Maine Ascent. And he is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their goals. And he's been a coach for over half his life. Uh, he got a master's in sports management while in school, and he coached and helped uh, players on the field, the soccer field, that is. And now uh, he works with business owners to grow personally and professionally in pursuit of their you know, business dreams. And his background in management and passion for entrepreneurship has led him to small business, and his coaching ability gave him the skills he needed to start helping business owners. So, well, we're very lucky and fortunate to have Matt here as a guest, and he was able to carve out some time in his packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. So we are so lucky. Uh, I guess to start off, um, you know, again, thank you, Matt, for coming on as a guest, and can you tell us about your, your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today? Absolutely. Uh, thanks again, Luke, for, for having me on. I'm really looking forward to, to chatting with you today. Um, yeah, so like, uh, like you mentioned, my background was in sports. I, I worked in uh, and around soccer for, for a long time, um, a master's degree in sport management and a minor in entrepreneurship. So small business has always been something that's interesting to me. And I wanted to, uh, initially I wanted to apply that in the sports world. I thought uh, more of a business-minded approach would serve me there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, I worked in sports for a long time. I moved uh, from my hometown in Ohio to Portland, Oregon in 2010 to work for the Portland Timbers, the MLS team out there. I ended up working mm-hmm. for uh, a Timbers affiliate club you know, managing a million-dollar budget, getting 4,000 players of, uh, on the field each season, and, uh, and I got fired. And um, a friend of mine had been working with Emith for a couple of years at that point, someone I knew from the Timbers. He had taken his sports experience and translated it into this Emith business coaching. Um, we had talked for a while about the similarities between coaching sports and coaching business owners and could see the parallels there really clearly. My interest in entrepreneurship got me really interested in what he was doing, what he was building in his coaching practice, and I could see where my skill sets would translate. This guy was one of the first people that I talked to after I got fired from that uh, job with the youth club, and um, he told me, you know, Emith is having an event. It's like six weeks from now. It's down in San Diego. But I don't know. You know. I just got fired. I don't know if I can afford to do that. And he said, I'm going to buy your ticket. I'm going to buy your ticket, and you're going to go. And wow. it was an amazing, amazing gift that he gave me because I, I walked in that ballroom where the event, uh, the Emith event was happening, and I knew I was in the right place. Like, I can't explain it, but, like, right then and there, I knew I, that was the work I was supposed to be doing. It's personal development. It's entrepreneurship. It's coaching. It's all stuff that I care really deeply about, things that I'm really passionate about. And my skill set fit almost seamlessly into what Enoch wanted to do at that stage. And, you know, I always said that my goal as a coach was to help each player develop to the peak of their ability. Like that was my, sort of my guiding light as a soccer coach. And I take that same approach working with my, business, uh, my small business clients. It's helping owners develop to be the best version of themselves. 
And if I'm doing that, I'm doing my work really well as a coach, and we see results from that. But at, like, you know, I, I feel like I had a, a great background. I understood entrepreneurship and small business. I understood personal development and, and coaching. And uh, you know, I was lucky enough, blessed enough to have that friend push me to say, like, I think you should be here. And the pieces that really fell into place for me, and that was, yeah, just about five years ago. Wow. That's amazing. That's an incredible story. And mm. it's interesting how you were able to take the skills that you learned in sports and apply it to business, that there's a parallel or a lot of similarities there. Mm-hmm. And you were and, you know, We always talk that. about how, how sports prepares people for life. Like that's something that, that right. a lot of people say. It's almost a cliché. But it really was true in that the, the skills that I developed coaching youth sports it, have, have been very applicable. Sometimes I joke that, you know, coaching a, a 13 or 14-year-old, you know, high school mm. kid is a lot like coaching an mm. entrepreneur. <laughs> they're, they're temperamental, they're emotional, they're irrational. If you're prepared to deal with one, you're prepared to deal with the other. Wow, that's amazing because obviously a lot of entrepreneurs have that type A personality. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to be kind of delicate or whatnot and handling their ego and whatnot. And it's interesting. And I, I find it it's curious how you were able to take a setback and you were able to make a comeback, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, they say there's no such thing as failure, just learning experiences. And I truly believe that. That was told to me by a guest on another show. And, and, and you know, you obviously you had that experience where you got fired. But, you know, you came back, now you're doing something that you absolutely love, something that's kind of like your true calling. You know, and they say when you absolutely. do something you love, you never – right. And, you know, when you do something you love, you never have to work a day in your life. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that's great. It seems to me that you found your purpose, you know, and Mark Twain, uh, he, he says that you have two birthdays in your life, the, the day you were born and the day you figure out why. And you clearly know both of your birthdays, which is <laughs> which is amazing. And um, it, I like I was, it's curious, yeah, uh, that you're an E-Myth certified uh, business coach. Now, I've heard of E-Myth, the book by Michael Gerber, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. it's only until recently that I found out you could be an E-Myth certified business coach. And mm-hmm. you kind of explained it uh, really well. Now, apparently your friend bought you. Uh, the ticket so you can go to San Diego to check it out. And when you went there, you knew it was the right place for you. And that's amazing. And um, that you had that friend that, that, you know, that coincidence, that luck and that, and he was able to buy you that ticket and, and set you on, you know, on that life changing trajectory that that you've been Mm -hmm. on. And, uh, you know, that's excellent. That's wonderful. I'm curious. Um, Obviously, do you still follow, uh, sports and soccer in particular? Yeah, as much as I can. I've got two young kids now, so I don't get to watch uh, as much as I used to. But yeah, I still stay pretty close to it. Uh, soccer for sure. Blazers basketball when I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Because I heard recently the men's team didn't make it, which sucks. They didn't, qual- uh, they didn't qualify Cup. for the Olympics. There's a, uh, the, the World Cup is still in play. Hopefully you can still qualify mm-hmm. for, uh, for 22. They didn't qualify oh. for the Olympics, which was pretty pretty disappointing. But uh, third time in a row, there's some serious questions there that they need to get asked. And I don't know who's going to ask them. Yeah, but it's interesting because the women's team does so well. So I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, 
uh, you know, it's a, what's it, going on? It's, it's an investment, right? The early on the uh, the women's program here, I mean, in large part because of Title IX and D1 soccer, um, mm-hmm. had a head start, and the, mm-hmm. the investment that U.S. soccer has put into the women's side outweighs what a lot of other countries have done. Other countries are mm-hmm. catching up now, and it's you, know, you see a lot of the stuff about the equal pay on the women's side, and our women's mm-hmm. soccer players definitely deserve to earn more. There's, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. So I, I'm fully backed them on equal pay. But early on, the investment that the U.S. put behind women's soccer went a long mm-hmm. way to, to giving us a head start. The gap's closing, but they're, they're still maintaining their dominance. It's nice to see. I could talk about soccer wow. for a whole extra hour, Luke. So if you want to you <laughs> schedule me for a second one, we'll just come back and talk soccer. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> so um, I, I guess we sort of went off topic there, but that's okay. It was sports and and whatnot. So I'm curious. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, you've been doing this for uh, quite a few years, and we all got hit with that thing that we all know about, uh, unless one's mm-hmm. living under a rock, the pandemic. Uh, I'm curious, what, how would you describe the current state of business and entrepreneurialism, and what challenges did the pandemic pose, if any? Sure. I mean, each individual business owner, um, they're dealing with their own sort of unique set of challenges around the pandemic, around COVID. But entrepreneurs and business owners face new challenges every day. And so – you know, the business owners that I'm working with, the ones that I see, they're, they're making major changes. Um, you know, some of it is just moving to virtual offices, right, not being face-to-face with their staff. That's a big one. Uh, the folks that are mm-hmm. coming back face-to-face, obviously there's a lot more protocols and things like that you ha- that you have to deal with. And there are some that are making really major changes. I mean, outdoor events companies, what are they supposed to do when there are no outdoor events? Right? Mm-hmm. There's There's – all kinds of challenges that come along with, with dealing with this stuff. But in general, entrepreneurs are well prepared to deal with these sorts of challenges. They, mm-hmm. most, most of these entrepreneurs start businesses because they see a problem or they see a need that isn't being met. They see a mm-hmm. hole in the market that they can help fill. So they're naturally problem solvers. New challenges come along. They're, they're well equipped to meet those challenges. What, mm-hmm. what I've noticed is owners who get too attached to the old way of doing things, they're the ones that have really suffered in these last you know, 12 months, 15 months. Mm. Owners who are just waiting for things to go back to normal are the ones that are really suffering because normal is gone. Like the the, the mm. way things were, were happening in January of last year, it's not coming back. We live in a different world now. And if you're not prepared to, to pivot and make changes in your business based on that, you're going to get left behind. And that's already happening. Um, there's the owners who have stepped up from the beginning to take these challenges on are seeing their businesses evolve, seeing their businesses grow, and some are even thriving. I've got a number of clients who had their best year ever in 2020 because they were ready wow. to respond to the demands of the market. And so there's, there's still tremendous opportunity out there, but you have to be prepared to take this stuff on and really – you know, challenge the stat, your own status quo, challenge some of those long-held beliefs, and look at what the actual market opportunities are. Now, I really hmm. push people to do scenario planning. Plot out a few potential things about what could happen. You know, what's the best-case scenario? What's, what's somewhere in the middle? What's the worst-case scenario? 
and plot out mm. how you can respond if any of these things start to happen. That way you're giving yourself some, some guideposts. You're giving yourself a playbook that you can work from instead of trying to do everything mm. by the seat of your pants. And even just half a day of planning to step back, to slow down, and do that mm. kind of planning, that, that kind of preparation has such a huge mm. payoff down the line. Even if you never go back mm. to that plan again, you're, you're giving yourself a, a chance to think strategically and, and look for those opportunities because they're out there. So the, the entrepreneurs, the small business owners who are ready to, to make some changes, to take on new challenges, there's plenty of, plenty of room to grow. There's lots that can happen right now. But if you're mm. sitting around waiting for things to go back to normal, you expect that mm. your business can continue to operate the same way it always has, you're sort mm. of mistaken. Wow. <clears throat> wow. And thank you so much for that. And I totally agree. Obviously, um, there's going to be a new normal or we're in that new normal, perhaps, and it'll never go back to the way things were pre-pandemic. Uh, obviously, people need to realize that, employees and entrepreneurs. And, you know, they say that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. Uh, I believe that to be true. And, and also that when life gives you lemon, you make lemonade. You know, you adapt. You, you change the, the sails when the wind blows it in a different direction. And... So I think entrepreneurs should understand that, and that's why folks like yourself are out there helping to coach firms um, so they know how to handle these, these challenges. But it's interesting how you mentioned how some businesses have have thrived because they've taken mm-hmm. on the, the challenge and the problem and you know, they taken it head on and made adjustments. And they had their best year, you said, uh, last year, which is interesting. No, you know, many people wouldn't have guessed that, of course. So, yeah. Um, that's incredible. And, no, it's, and, and in talk some talk. cases it surprised, yeah. it surprised me too, even as their coach, even as the person there to support them, to see the, the performance mm-hmm. and, and the, the numbers that some of these businesses have been able to hit by making small changes. It's really mm-hmm. remarkable. Wow. And from big results from small changes, that's interesting. And mm-hmm. you talked before about um, map entrepreneurs to map out different scenarios it reminds me of the saying that if you don't if you fail to plan you plan to fail so to speak and (laughs) so having these scenarios so they're not operating from the seat of their pants and it is interesting so they they have it mapped out you know this happens do this or the other thing to have that plan a plan b plan c i think that's great advice uh, for business owners and obviously Mm -hmm. it's you know, it's so important for entrepreneurs to stay on the cutting edge of what's going on and to change and adapt. That's why Apple does so well. They, they do a lot of research, <laughs> market research, uh, mm-hmm. and they come up with newer and better products, even though they're doing okay already. And it's so important for entrepreneurs to be able to adjust and to be innovative and, and not stick to the old ways of doing things and hoping that the old way comes back, um, that they be creative and whatnot, because they came into this you know, with the mindset of wanting to solve problems and being creative. And so they need to always remember that and dial into that when they have to, when, when a new problem, when they're faced with a new issue, so to speak, um, which I think is great advice. And you talked about how a lot of uh, business owners and I guess employees are working virtually, maybe at home or remotely or whatnot. I guess we'll be seeing more of that and in, in, in whatnot. 
And obviously for outdoors uh, businesses, they've had to deal with the most challenges, but, you know, they've had to figure out new ways to adapt, I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but where do you see things going in the future? Now, obviously there'll be a world when the pandemic goes away for the most part, hopefully sooner rather than later with the ramp up vaccine distribution. Where do you see your uh, mm-hmm. things going in the future? And where do you see yourself in that future? Sure. Um, you know, acknowledging, right, that the business world in general is in a, a big period of transition, and some companies are going to be better prepared to take advantage of that than others. Um, but I think a lot of people are, are taking the pandemic as a signal that they shouldn't be working for some company that, that doesn't give a shit about them. There's mm. a lot of people are, are, are seeing that, like, okay, I need to be in control of my own future, of, of mm. something that I'm, I care about and something that I'm passionate about. And I think the, you know, the boom in new business filings, right? From, from March of last year on, there's been a, almost a record number of new businesses begun. And I think a lot wow. of people are, are you know, trying to take more control over their work and their lives. And they see yeah. you know, small business ownership as a way to accomplish that. Right? And, and I think, again, everyone's going to have to get used to working in this new world, whether that's fully remote, which I, I support. I think there's a lot of... Mm research that shows a fully remote company can be very successful if it's led and managed right. the right way. You know, maybe it's hybrid working where you're in the office a, a few days a week. Maybe some people go back to a full traditional office model. Whatever it's going to be, mm-hmm. there's still these challenges and, and a new way of working that's going to have to come out of some of this. And I think in terms of small business ownership, mm-hmm. there's a lot of opportunities to buy you know, established businesses in the next five to ten years, right? Business brokers are calling mm-hmm. this a silver tsunami. It's older business owners who want to, mm-hmm. they want to retire. They want to get out of their business. They have so much of their net worth tied up mm-hmm. in the business. And, you know, maybe they've endured the financial crisis in 2009. Maybe they've endured COVID and they're going to get out the other side of it. But how many more times do they want to go through right. these cycles? How many more times do they want to have to fight and claw to keep their business afloat. A lot of people are going to be looking to exit in the next mm. five to ten years. So I think there's going to be mm. you know, increased consolidation in certain industries, but there are going to be a plenty mm. of opportunities to go out and build really successful small businesses, um, either starting mm. new or buying an established business. And you know, mm. a lot of people... I don't know about a lot of people, but people are starting to recognize that you don't have to build the next Apple. You don't have to build the next Amazon to have a really successful small business, mm. right? right? Most people who start, right. who start a small business are never going to hit a million dollars in revenue. And 10 million is truly right. rarefied air. But if you could build a business that's, right. that's anywhere close to that, even the bottom number, a million dollars a year, that's an incredibly successful small mm. business or has the potential to be. And that can right. support you in the kind of life that you want to live. Any growth beyond that, mm-hmm. there's, there's an incredible amount that you can do and invest in, and gain from it. But you don't mm-hmm. have to build, again, the next Apple, the next Netflix in mm-hmm. order to be successful. Mm-hmm. You can build a really mm-hmm. solid small business that, that's going to change your life, change your family's life. And so my role in that, that's just to support small business owners as much as possible. And whether you're starting new, buying an established business, or you're just trying to grow something that you already have, 
these next few years are going to come with, with a ton of opportunity, and I just really want to help as many people as possible to set themselves up for success, right? To build something that's mm-hmm. going to support them in the life that they want to live. That's, that's E-Myth 101, and it's something that I really believe in. It's whatever you're building, mm-hmm. it should support you. It, it shouldn't feel like the worst job you've ever had. You should be excited mm-hmm. to go into work, and there's so many opportunities here in this next five-year period, 10-year period. There's all these factors sort of coming together that's going to make it uh, you know, a real boon for, for small business owners. Wow. That's amazing. And I, I totally agree um, that obviously as we head into the future, a lot of people are thinking about exiting the rat race, so to speak, and, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and understanding that no job is really secure and that a business will lay you, lay you off in a heartbeat <laughs> if, there, if, if, if it meant protecting their bottom line or if revenue Absolutely. Uh, go down. Right. So, and it's critical, you know, you business coaches play a vital role. And I think a lot of people understand that because, uh, you know, I I was reading an article and they said that more and more people are actually going into business coaching fields. I think the number of business coaches may double by the end of the year. So you're definitely on the, in front of the wave, so to speak, or riding Mm -hmm. the trend. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you're in the right business and, so many people are understanding they don't have to reinvent the wheel or, you know, create a new Apple or whatnot. They can create a small business and live life on their terms. I think a lot of it is because a lot of parents want to be there when it comes to their family, raising their kids. And that's a lot of, you know, serves as a motivation mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. And more and more people are getting involved with MLMs. Um, even, you know, so many people have strong opinions about MLMs, but so many people are getting into them. To, to build a passive income and whatnot so they can leave that, that mm-hmm. rat race. And um, you talked about the silver tsunami, if I heard you correctly, that a lot of older yep. business owners might sell their businesses. This is the first I've, I've heard of that phrase, uh, which is amazing. So there, there's an opportunity there, um, which is incredible. And um, so, yeah, so it, it, it's interesting. It definitely is that even during this tough period, people are still, you know, are starting businesses, and that's really accelerating and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, the high failure rate with businesses. Um, I think you've heard the statistics, about 90% of them fail within the first couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? And do you, business coaches like yourself, can they play a, a pivotal role in, in turning that around? I mean, I, I'd like to hope, uh, I would like to hope we can help impact that number, right? Depending on who you ask, it's hmm. somewhere between 70 and 90% of businesses. 70 to 90% of businesses are out of business uh, in mm-hmm. three years, four years from starting. And that's, obviously that's a tough statistic to swallow um, as somebody starting out new or, or going out on their own. There are hmm. a couple of common problems that, uh, tend to cause those high failure rates. Undercapitalization, right? You just run out of money is, is pretty mm. common. Um, a, a failure to uh, identify or test your market, right? You're, you're creating a solution to a problem that no one mm. has, pretty common. Mm. And, um, it, in gen, and then in general, it's just it's mismanagement. It's lack of, of leadership. It's somebody mm. who... They, they call themselves an owner, but they just show up for a job every day. Hmm. Those factors, I think, tend to contribute to that really high failure rate. 
Um, as a business coach, those are all things that we take on head on, right? Your, your finances have to be central to your long-term plan for your business. You have to know what your profit is. You have to know what your path to profitability is if you're not making money right then and there. But even beyond profit, you have to understand your cash flow so that you're not growing yourself out of business. It's, mm. it's very possible to be profitable on paper but not have a penny in the bank to pay your vendors, to, to be mm. able to pay your employees. And you see that time and time again, this undercapitalization, it catches business owners out because they say, my numbers suggest that I should be okay, but they don't understand mm. the cash flow. They don't understand how money is moving in and out of their business. And and they're stuck. They can't go to the bank for an additional loan. They don't have more equity to pull out. They can't put themselves further in the hole. And, and they find themselves having to close up shop to, to prevent, you know, even, even bigger losses, right? Putting their livelihood at risk. Um, you know, creating a, a solution for a problem that no one has. This is when, you know, you get a great idea for, oh, you know what we need is dog ponchos, and the, these dog ponchos are going to be luxury dog ponchos, and they're going to, like, mm. whatever, right? Whatever that idea is, you've never asked another human being if they would actually pay you $79 for this dog poncho, but you're <laughs> going to go and you're going to spend half your life savings to create prototypes and open the storefront and everything else, and, mm. and you're stuck, right? So understanding mm. your market, understanding who you're selling to, understanding what you're trying to solve for your for your client and how you want them to feel when you do it, that's a huge part of building a successful small business. And I, I would suggest that a lot of the businesses that are successful beyond that initial three, four, five-year period have a really good understanding of who their market is. And then the last piece is you know, lack, of, lack of leadership or um, a misunderstanding of what leadership actually is. And this is really core to the work we do with all of our EMIS clients is, is having a, a vision for where you're going that inspires you. You have to know mm. three, four, five years down the line, what are you trying to build? Once you have that picture, it's about sort of reverse engineering it and deciding what do I need to do today as a leader, mm. as an owner, to help my business move forward. That lack of vision and that lack of um, connecting the dots dooms a lot of people. Mm. Because a lot of people say, I'm going to show up. I'm going to, I'll be the first one in and the last one out. I'm going to turn the lights on and mm -hmm. turn them off every day. I'll sweep the floors and I'll, I'll do the selling and the marketing and the production and everything else. <laughs> mm -hmm. But all they're doing is they're giving themselves a job. They're not actually helping mm -hmm. build a business. And if you're not building a business, you might be able to sustain it. You might be able to build it on your back for a while. But eventually, mm -hmm. people wear out. That's where you see really high rates of mm -hmm. burnout. And that mm. 70, 80, 90% of business owners that fail in the, in the first five years, some of that's by choice. Some of that is people hitting a wall and saying, I can't keep mm. doing this mm. and walking away. And I think mm. every one of those people that, that voluntarily chooses to walk away, that's a business that we could absolutely help because they, mm. they've set it up wrong from the start. And with mm. a little bit of a different perspective, a different approach to building that business, there's a much higher success rate. We know that to be true. Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, and that's what the book, The E-Myth, was all about with Michael Gerber, right? It was mm -hmm. helping business owners work harder on their business instead of working harder in their business, right? And that's exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how so many people go into business for themselves 
and they're a business owner, but the, the business ends up owning them, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, and people leave their job because they're tired of working for someone else and they want to work for themselves, but then they end up sometimes working longer hours than they did at work Absolutely. when they were working for someone else. And that's not what I'm sure. Yeah. That's not what they had in mind, right? <laughs> right, and you know, Emit calls this the um, the technician's dilemma, right? You're a, you're a great technician. You're an incredible plumber, mm-hmm. but your boss mm-hmm. is an idiot. Well, I can do this better than he can, and I'm the best person mm-hmm. on the tools. When you open up a new business, not only now are you the lead plumber, but you're also an accountant, right? You're also a marketer. You're also a salesperson. Mm-hmm. You have to do the estimating. You have to uh, manage right. all the other plumbers. You have to do all of these things. And the technician who decided I want to start this job doesn't want to do any yeah. of that. They just, they just want to be on the tools and they don't want to have a boss that they hate. Yeah. And so if you're just starting, if, if you go out and start a, a new job for yourself, you're guaranteed to work more hours. You're guaranteed to be more stressed. You're, you're taking on all this stuff that you don't have an interest in. But if you show up right. as a business owner first instead of just as a technician, your your chances mm. of success go way up. Wow. And that's amazing. Uh, and that's incredible. And that's why we need folks like yourself uh, to help business owners. And you talked a lot about a lot of the, the big reason for the failure rate comes from um, business owners not doing proper research before they set out uh, mm-hmm. to do, to start their business, you know, not doing their homework on the market and what the market wants and, uh, you know, making sure they solve the problem that people actually have. And you talked about undercapitalization, um, the cash flow, um, business owners not understanding cash flow and whatnot and revenue. And also you mentioned leadership. Um, business owners have to have a vision where they see themselves, th- uh, you know, three to five years from now and work backwards. Um, so important for them to set those kind of goals and benchmarks and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, you know, obviously there's a lot of books about this, uh, of course, the EMF, but something about having a coach because a book can't hold you accountable. You know, a book can't give you a customized, tailored approach. You know, a magazine article, a blog post, social media post can't do that. But an actual human being who's trained in, in, in coaching businesses like yourself can do that for folks. And, uh, provide that accountability and customization for a business owner. Um, so, you know, you guys are definitely doing important work and you guys are going to be very busy in the next couple, couple of years as people start businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. Now, obviously business owners can be, a lot of them have type A personalities and are very temperamental. They may not like the idea of bringing in a coach because they think a coach will just tell them what to do. and They went into business for themselves to be the person to tell others what to do. <laughs> So mm-hmm. um, I'm curious, how would you, um, what would you say to someone who says that a business coach, you know, they're not needed, they're unnecessary, you know, why do I need a business coach? I've never heard of this kind of thing, similar to like a life coach, and they kind of roll their eyes at, <laughs> at this kind of thing. Um, sure. I, I, why do you think they're necessary, business coaches? Yeah, I mean, I, my sports background, I go right back to uh, a sports analogy, is that all the greats have coaches. Right? Mm-hmm. Beyond, um, you know, you could look at any, anyone in individual sport, right? Roger Federer has a coach. Mm-hmm. Tiger right. Woods, at the peak of his abilities, had, had multiple coaches, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, look at the greats now, LeBron, Kobe, like, they all have coaches. Not just the head coach of their team, right. but they have individual 
skill development coaches, people that they surround right. themselves with that make them mm-hmm. better, right? And it mm-hmm. might be in one specific area or it might be something, you know, general, their mentality or whatever it might be. Not that Kobe ever needed coaching on his mentality, but I think you get my point, right? It's, right. Um, it's being serious about your own development makes you a better owner, a better leader. And if you're not willing to invest in that development, I think you're, you're putting a ceiling on how far you can go, right? Mm. When, I, uh, when I talk about the work that I do, I'm not a consultant. I don't come in and do work for people. I'm not there to sell you a silver bullet that's going to solve all of these mm. problems. I'm there mm. to help people. You, you said it, right? The word is accountability. I'm there to hold people mm. accountable to what they say they're going to do. Um, it's, it's about getting into the mindset that I can be better, I want to be better. And someone like myself with, you know, years of experience helping all these different small businesses, uh, a platform and resources behind me that are proven to help people be successful in their business, there's a tremendous amount of value that comes from, you know, having someone there alongside you, holding you accountable for the work that you need to do. Um, I have a team of people that I work with, coaches and mentors that help me get better that help me grow personally and professionally. Mm. And if mm. I'm not doing that, I'm not showing up the right way for my clients. I'm not, I'm not you know, pushing myself to be better. I can't expect people to do the same. Mm. So uh, I go mm. you know, that question of why do I even need a coach? Why can't I just read the book? Why can't I you know, read the articles and um, follow through on it myself? Mm. The, the answer to that question is usually if you haven't done it by now, you're not going to do it on mm. your own. Right? You can't just think. You can't just think about, you know, doing push-ups. You hire a trainer to put you through the workout plan, mm. and that that level of accountability and it's a commitment as well, right? It's an investment to mm. hire a business coach like me. You're mm. you're saying that yeah, I want to get better, and I'm going to commit my time, my energy, my resources to get this done. It's that commitment mm. that really makes a difference. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. Um, thank you so much for that. And obviously, as a coach, you can give, you know, a, a business owner a perspective from an outside point of view. You know, sometimes when you're inside an organization, you don't really have that outside view. And I think that's amazing. And, you know, you talked about how the greats have coaches. You know, amazing athletes are really good at what they do. They still have coaches. And you talked about how if a business owner hasn't applied the things they've read in books yet, which is very common, <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. that they're not going to do it on their own and to have an actual person mm-hmm. hold them accountable and, and tell them, you know, or advise them on, on what to do and they're more likely to do it. And, you know, they found from studies that accountability, when you in, include accountability, factor that in, um, success rate with accomplishing goals and New Year's resolutions goes way up. So there's definitely mm-hmm. something to that. And um, so I, I definitely think business owners are necessary. And it's funny how there's so many books out there uh, you know, and so many people buy these books and read them and may not apply them, or sometimes they don't read them at all. Um, I was interviewing one guest. He told he gave me the phrase what they call shelf help. <laughs> you know, when you have all these books, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and so a lot of times, uh, you know, also a business coach can um, spur you to take action. And a lot of times, people get stuck reading books because they're in analysis paralysis. And so, uh, so I think having a business coach to motivate and to hold one accountable is so necessary. Uh, there's nothing like actually having a living, breathing human being helping you to improve uh, versus mm-hmm. anything else. 
And uh, I'm, I'm curious. Now, obviously, uh, there are a lot of business coaches out there. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm curious, how do you uh, stand out? Uh, what differentiates you from other business coaches? And uh, I guess what is your uh, competitive advantage? Sure. I mean, I treat working with business owners now in the same way I coach athletes, right? We set aggressive goals. We apply the appropriate processes, and I hold people accountable for, not, for, for doing the work that's required. Mm. Now, I've never been accused of not being direct enough. Right? I give people blunt feedback, and I help people build their ideal business through the coaching process. Mm. Um, you know, I have, as an EMIF certified coach, I have access to this tremendous resource, this EMIF coaching program, that I know works. We see it time and again. Businesses get built with this program, and they are successful. And that's not my only advantage, but having that sort of behind me as, as something that I can grab is huge. Mm. And mm. I think you know, I've, uh, in my time as a coach, I treat every one of my clients' businesses as my own. Right? I own mm. 25 businesses at a time. So the experience, the, the knowledge, the understanding, the the picture of the inner workings of all these different businesses that I've seen serve me in helping my clients. And mm-hmm. you know, the, pr- the process of, of building a successful business, it's not just about systems or tools. We've got systems and tools. Mm-hmm. It's, it's requi- it requires real growth and a commitment to change from the owner. And I think mm-hmm. that's really where I stand out is the people that I work with whether it's either by process of selection or, or process mm. of working with me, they're willing to do the work. The ones that are successful, they mm. come in, they grow, they get better. But the the EMIT approach tells us that a, a business is a reflection of the owner. So in order for the business to change, the owner has to change too. And that's the work that I really love to do. Yes, I've got plenty of you know, finance and marketing systems and all this other stuff that we will grab, but it's that ability to connect with a human being, somebody who wants to be pushed and held accountable, somebody who wants that, that mirror held up so they can really see where mm-hmm. they're at and where they want to go. That's where mm-hmm. I excel, is that connection with, with an individual and, and somebody who wants to be better, because that's me. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. All this coaching, helping people develop, it makes me better, a better mm-hmm. version of myself. That's what I'm after. Mm-hmm. That's the work I wanted to do. <laughs> That's amazing. And so my understanding, you said you own 25 over, so that's over two and a half dozen businesses. So you, uh, that's incredible. And yeah, it's, so you, you know, know a lot about every one of my Every one of my clients' businesses is, is something that I treat as my own. Okay. Wonderful. And that's a great perspective to have, of course. And they're they're sort of like your kids. They're like your baby, you know. And that's how a lot of business owners view their business. <laughs> and absolutely. Um, and I'm curious. You said you also give direct, blunt advice, and you've never been accused mm-hmm. of not being direct. <laughs> Great. You know, sometimes obviously the truth hurts, but as a coach, you have to tell people, you know, what's going on, and not beat around the bush or sugarcoat anything. And mm-hmm. and so that's amazing. And I would I would rather hurt I, like truly I would rather hurt my clients' feelings and give them real real feedback than sugarcoat something just to keep them around. 
Mm. That I'm not doing my job if I'm holding back and not giving real advice, real feedback. Mm. 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 Wow. And that's amazing. And, and that's what a, a coach does, of course. And you talked about how you're certified, of course, and not, not all business coaches, of course, are certified. Um, being a business right. coach, I guess, is one of those things that has a low barrier to entry. So yes. I guess there's no, <laughs> no test you have to take or license. Uh, anyone can call themselves a business coach, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, of course, are, are cert, have certification. And you talked about how uh, the business is a reflection of the owner. So if the, for the business to change and improve, the owner has to personally change and improve. I think that's incredible mm-hmm. uh, advice. And so I could see why you get results uh, for your clients and whatnot. This is obviously something you're passionate about. You can feel the passion in your voice and whatnot. And you've been doing this for several years, helping entrepreneurs. I'm curious, can you tell us uh, any of the most moving or entertaining stories from your career or life? Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of stories to tell. Um, One of my favorites is actually a pretty simple one. So I work with a, a wide variety of clients. This particular client is a kosher butcher. He's in Johannesburg, South Africa. He, um, he works long hours. His shop is open um, more or less from 7 to 9 every day. And he mm. was there in the shop pretty much all day every day. Um, you know, and that's, that's before they open at 7, right? Because they're, they're literally mm. breaking down sides of beef and, and everything else to get ready for their day. Mm. Um, and he said early on in our working together, he said one of the things he wished he had was just more time with his family, just he wish he could see his kids more. He's got a, you know, a big family. He's got five, six kids. And he right. just wishes he could see them more. I said, well, what's, what's in the way? He said, well, I'm here. I'm, I'm working these hours. I have to be here when, the, when things close or whatever it might be. And we just started to pick away at, okay, is that really true? Do you have to be there? Mm-hmm. And his goal was, I just want to see my kids at dinner. Okay. Okay. Let's figure out how we can do that. And, Literally, all it took for him was, I am going to go home for dinner two nights per week. Mm-hmm. Tuesday and Wednesday were their slowest nights at the shop. He said, on Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm going to go home for dinner. And there were times where he went back to the store after he ate with his family, and there were times that he didn't. But mm-hmm. those two nights, he committed to doing it for a couple of months. And after a couple of months, everything was fine. The shop was running okay. There were no issues when he was gone. He was enjoying mm-hmm. the time with his family, and he started doing it more and more. And it was just that commitment and that accountability to say, like, I'm just going to go home for dinner a couple nights a week, mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens. It changed his entire perspective on his business. Now mm-hmm. he's, he's probably there maybe half the hours that his store is open. He doesn't have to be wow. there to open, uh, open the cutting room you know, for his staff. He has people wow. who does that for him. He doesn't have to be there to close out at the end of the night. Sometimes he chooses to be, but he doesn't have to be. And that was the biggest difference for him was recognizing that things could happen without his, his hands on it. And all it took right. for him to say, these two nights a week, I'm just not going to be here. And everyone didn't question it. Nobody gave him a sideways look. It was just, okay, no problem. And, and he was gone. And it changed his life. It changed his business. Mm. And those little decisions can have such an outsized impact, and it starts that snowball rolling downhill 
because his business mm. is doing better than it ever has, and he's working less than he mm. ever has. Wow. And it just started with that, that commitment to, I'm just not going to be here a couple nights. Mm. Those opportunities wow. are everywhere for people. Wow. And you were able to kind of guide him and show him the light. And it's interesting how, you know, obviously you're based in the U.S. and you're helping mm-hmm. this gentleman in, in South Africa uh, who owns a, a kosher butchery, right? And it's mm-hmm. interesting with the luxury of technology that you're able to do that, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, I'm, and, and, of course, you help a wide variety of businesses, which is great. And so this gentleman was working, I'm guessing, more than 12 hours, uh, around 14 hours from 7 to 9. Yep. And He's putting in he like 80, 90-hour weeks consistently. Wow. That's incredible. And, yeah. and I get maybe not uncommon for business owners. And it's interesting how, <laughs> you know, but you got him to commit to taking these small steps, Right. And these kind of, mm-hmm. you didn't overwhelm him, but he took these kind of baby steps, you know, two nights, right? And he can go back after yep. the dinner with the kids, right? Um, mm-hmm. And he, and from those baby steps, he sort of learned how to walk and he understood that it's okay to let go. Because I guess a lot of business owners have a tough time with, I guess, delegation or, delegation or allocation of responsibility. Mm-hmm. But I guess you showed him it's possible, doable. Uh, he doesn't have to be there, so to speak. And yep. you started off with those that small steps, uh, goals, whatnot, and he ma- and he made that commitment. He put it down, I'm guessing, on paper and committed to that. And every no one was, you know, angry about it. Everyone understood it. And he didn't realize he had that opportunity, but you showed him that it, you know, it's it's simple. You know, maybe not easy, but simple to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got him on that different uh, trajectory. And so my understanding is the business is doing better, even as he's spending less time in it, which is great. Yep. Um, yep. You know, so. They've grown. He trusts his people more. His people are, are, are helping him recruit better employees. The, wow. the systems are improving because they're seeing that, you know, inefficiencies that he didn't see. And it it right. all started with him just taking a few hours away. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And, and that was you know, you know, four years be, ago. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's incredible. And perhaps at some point he could become an absentee business owner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if we, you know, all the better to make money and not have to be there at all or, or for a small mm-hmm. period of time, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so um, thank you again for sharing that wonderful story. Uh, I'm curious, uh, obviously um, the networking is very important. Uh, mm-hmm particularly for business owners, they say it's good to get to a point where you mostly, uh, if not solely, rely on referrals uh, for business. And obviously, mm-hmm. human relationships are so important. And we met through networking. We, um, I, yep. I believe I reached out to you on LinkedIn um, and sure. whatnot. Well, what, uh, and networking is for entrepreneurs. It's also for job hunters, um, people who are looking for work, who a lot of people are unemployed and um, even people who have jobs, because you know, no job is secure. We we talked about this earlier. So you always want to keep looking for a job, and and you never know. And so you you always want to be dialed in. Um, maybe you want a better job. If people like the job you have. Any advice would you give to people? 
You know, I, I think networking for me is really about building relationships and um, connecting with a human being I think is helpful. Even on LinkedIn, right, there's, there are plenty of ways to, to be a human being on a digital platform, actually show up and be interested in people and, and want to build a real relationship, not make everything transactional. Every, anyone who's going to hear this knows that half the requests you get on LinkedIn are followed immediately with a, a sales pitch, a cold pitch, uh, schedule 15 minutes to find out about, about what I can do for your business. And that's not networking. Like at, at best, it's, it's cold call sales, but you're not networking there. I think you know, if we're really about building relationships, one of the things that I try and do with my professional network is I want to add to other people's business where I, whenever I can. Like I want to be a good referral source. Mm. I want to connect them with people that either need their services or can help mm. them in some way. And I think that's one mm. of the best ways to get referrals sent to you is, is to do a good job of, of connecting people and, um, and being a good referrer. Um, offer value. Offer help when and where you can. Mm. Send good referrals. And especially for business owners, you should have a way to track and manage your network, manage your referrals, whether it's a CRM, a spreadsheet, just notes in your phone, whatever it is. Have a system where you're mm. taking mm. care of the people who are taking care of you. And that, that's going to keep that flow of referrals coming. Mm. Um, if we're talking about referrals for business, mm. asking existing clients for recommendations is huge. Um, and you have to ask. People mm. won't do it typically on their own. They're not going to just do it out of the goodness of their heart. But if you ask, they usually have somebody that they can mm. connect you with. And I think even if you mm. know, for job seekers or, or other professionals, just asking you know, the people that you like and respect, hey, is there anybody else you think I should meet? Is there anybody else you think I should talk to? I mean, that's, that's how I mm. ended up working through my, the early part of my career in Portland was you know, I had one job. I went and talked to someone who was running the, uh, the youth club because I asked. I asked the people around me if there's other people I should mm. be talking to. That's, that's how I got sat mm. down for that job where I was you know, managing the big budget and, and having all that responsibility was by asking the question and uh, wanting mm. to be of value, giving, giving good referrals and keeping track of that I think is really key. Um, mm. If you're going to be successful in building your network, you have to be deliberate about it. You know, it's, it's organic networking, sure, but you can't carry it all in your head or leave it all up to chance. You have to be really deliberate about mm. your approach. Mm. Mm. Wonderful. And the other thing uh, I'll say, you so you know, as far as it, sure, sorry. Uh, the other thing I'll say quickly no is just if um, you know, if you're a professional, you're asking for referrals, you're looking for other people to help you find business. Knowing who your ideal client is, right? What business they're in, what roles they're in, what industry they're in, the size of their staff, um, what you can help them with, being able to give others that information so that they can refer you better clients, better people, is really, really important as well. Like having a really clear picture of, of who you're trying to reach and letting people know that, it ups your success rate by, by exponential factors. Mm. Being able to mm. be really clear about who you want to talk to, why you want to talk to them, what you can do for them, it's mm. really, really impactful if you can do that. Wow. Thank you so much for that. Um, in terms of the ideal client, you know, that's why a lot of um, business owners, they focus on a niche, so to speak. And 
as they say, there's an old, there's a saying: the riches are in the niches. Um, it's corny, but true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> yeah, and so you talked about when it comes to referrals, it's something that you have to make sort of a direct request for. It's not just going to come out of nowhere. You um, some people do that, but very it's a small percentage. You have to directly request referrals and do it the right way, of course. And mm-hmm. being a referral source so key. I find this myself because I'm getting into uh, sending out a lot of connection emails, introducing people to mm-hmm. others who may be able to help them. And it has a, it's a small thing to do, but it has a big impact. People really like them a lot. And so I, I definitely love doing these connection emails and introduction emails and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, and you talked about giving the question to people who sh- who else should I talk to? I think that's so important. Um, and definitely, uh, you you mentioned that networking is all about building relationships and connections. It's not about sales or cold calling. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's about uh, <laughs> you know. There's a saying. Uh, I was reading a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes, and he talks about how. Um, very few people want what you're selling at the first time you approach them. <laughs> um, probably one or two percent. Absolutely, the majority. Of, right, uh, a big bulk of people, they will buy what you sell. Uh, it, you know, maybe a year or two or three down the line, as long as you build that relationship and you stay top of mind, and they realize they have that problem you can solve, and and they remember you and they reach out to you. So a lot of people don't particularly understand that. That's why, for me, I, I find networking to be superior to cold calling and, and prospecting in that way. 100%. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just it, it, when you network, it, you open up the floodgates, so to speak. And I think Girardi, who was the, he had the Guinness uh, Book of Records uh, for being the top most successful salesperson ever, he relied on this. He would send out, you know, birthday cards, anniversaries cards to folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sold cars, and he was really good at it. <laughs> and he did it through networking and building relationships and staying top of mind. So, you know, there you go. And the top sales guy in the world, he didn't do it the way you think. He did it by networking and building solid relationships. And uh, so, um, you know, thank you so much for that great advice. And I'm curious, what advice would you give to someone who wants to do what you're doing, who wants to be, who says, you know, what Matt's doing is cool. I want to be a business coach. Sign me up. What would you tell them? Sure. Sure. Uh, Don't do it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There are challenges, right? Starting out five years ago as a a new business coach, there there wasn't a lot in it for me. It took time to build up my practice to, to the size of it is now. So you have to go in with, with eyes wide open about what those challenges are going to be. Um, mm-hmm. You really have to show up ready to serve others. Right? If you want to, if you're doing this uh, to become, you know, the guru, to become you know, the man on the mountaintop, you're sort of taking the wrong approach. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here to serve my clients. I want to help other people be successful in their business. Um, there's always going to be challenges but if you show up ready to help others and invest in their success, I, I think you're more than halfway there, right? Clients come and go in waves. And so if you get too, too comfortable or, or, or complacent and assuming that people are, are going to stick around forever, you're, you're setting yourself up to fail, right? And it, 
Mm. Beyond that, I think you have to be really organized. Like I said before, I, I feel like I'm part over of, of 25 businesses at a time. So I've mm. had to prepare my own sort of internal systems to deliver a great experience for my clients. Mm. Uh, for me, I'm on, the, I'm on the phone most days all day talking with business mm. owners. But most of the business owners that I talk to only have maybe that one hour a week where they actually get to put on their business owner hat and do this work. And so mm. I have to be really present. I have to be tuned in and organized so that we're maximizing their time, making sure that they get the value for it. Because if, if I'm half-assing it, if I'm not showing up and delivering value for them, no, mm. I'm, I'm no longer an investment for them. I'm just a cost. And, mm. and they're not going to want to continue you know, pouring money into something that's just a cost that they're not getting anything out of. And mm. Connected to that, I think, you know, you, you have to know your shit, right? You have to be well-read. Mm. But beyond mm. being able to just, you know, regurgitate business books and self-help books, like you have to actually understand what that means, what the application and the implementation looks like. You have to mm. understand what the core principles of a successful business are. And that knowledge, you have to be able to translate it into a positive experience for the client. Again, mm. I'm not... I'm, my job is not to go in and do this work for people. My job is to show up and help them see a better way of doing it and then make their own plan for how they're going to implement these changes. And there are plenty of people, again, who, who would rather just, hey, do this this way, and this is, you know, this, this is my prescription for you. And while it can be successful at times, I don't think it builds that long-term sustainable relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't think it makes people want to come back and, and keep working with you if that's how you're showing up every day. And so mm-hmm. there is a challenge of translating that knowledge and, again, using it to serve others, to help other people and, and help make an impact in a business that you might not ever see or, or actually touch. There's challenges mm-hmm. to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Obviously, uh, people like yourself uh, fascinate me a lot, um, business coaches and also life coaches. Uh, because you guys, uh, you have to go out there. You're working 100, 100% commission, right? <laughs> so you have to build up the business from scratch. And exactly you said right. it takes time to build up. <laughs> right. And I, I imagine a lot of people go into business coaching and perhaps don't make it. Uh, obviously, uh, it's tough, um, the, particularly the beginning period, right? And, yeah, I think there, uh, there are to, plenty of people on LinkedIn who say business coach in their title. Um, who have probably been back working a corporate job for a long time. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. I, th- I think there are plenty of people who would like to be a business coach that, that maybe aren't not actually working in that space. And I'll save that negativity for, for another time maybe. But there's plenty of people who like to call themselves a business coach that maybe aren't doing the work. Right. Because the work is hard, particularly at the beginning. And so many people have there these rose-colored glasses. Right. And mm-hmm. you mentioned before a lot of people go into it wanting to be that the man on the mountain or the man on top or whatnot, and they may have the wrong attitude. Maybe they're going into it for the money because you can make a lot, of, make good money being a business coach. You can choose your mm-hmm. own hours, but mm-hmm. that may not be the right way to do it because you said you have to go into it with the mindset of wanting to serve, which is uh, <laughs> you know different from just having a money mindset. You know, wanting to serve and the money is just a bonus so to speak. 
And uh, I think that's definitely the right mindset to have. And you talked a lot about the importance of being organized. And, you know, you want to be organized. You want to be providing value to the client because if you're not, then they're going to view you as a cost, you mentioned. And, of course, you have to be well-read. I'm guessing you still have to, you know, continue learning. You never stop learning. You want to stay up to date on best practices and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, it's, mm-hmm. you know, of course, it never stops. And you want to translate that information specifically, I guess, so it's tailored to the client. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you want to obviously you have to get them results because that's what they're paying for and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see that it's a tough job. It may not be for everyone. Uh, a lot of people will go into it with the wrong attitude and, unfortunately, you know, still be going back to working in corporate, like you mentioned. But, um, right. you know, so obviously people have to go into it with the, with the right mindset, wanting to serve, wanting to learn, and, and, and share the knowledge that they've learned with their clients to translate it. Um, I'm curious, what advice would you give to a business owner who's looking for a coach to work with? And now they can go to you, which I think is a great decision. Uh, but let's say you're, you know, your plate is full, you, know, you can't coach every business, and you're, let's say you're on vacation <laughs> or whatnot. Sure. Um, <laughs> what advice would you give to a business owner who wants to coach? Sure. Um, I would say start by asking for referrals from from peers or people that you respect. Um, My experience shows me that a lot of big sort of authority sites put up barriers that that keep good coaches from getting the exposure that they deserve. So I don't know if you should necessarily rely on, you know, a quick Google search to get started. I think – Asking your network, looking there first is a good first step. Um, For business owners who who are looking for a coach, have an idea of what problems you're trying to solve. Have an idea of what your business does and does not do well. Um, Because there are plenty of coaches that specialize in certain things that that they may have uh, a square peg for a square hole in the business that they can come in and help you a little bit more quickly. Right? Know what you're looking for, whether it is that sort of short-term engagement that's maybe a little bit more consultative, or do you want that long-term development path that comes with, like what I do with the email certified coaching. It's, we tell people it's a minimum of an 18-month commitment. Know what you're looking for. I think that's important. Um, you know, have conversations with potential coaches. Don't just go with the first person that you sign on with necessarily, unless it's me, obviously. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Have, have conversations with potential coaches. Make sure that your personalities are a match, someone that you're going to look forward to speaking to on a regular basis. Um, because it, you know, it is a, it's a deep relationship that you, that you need to build, that you have to build. And if you're not comfortable having deep, intimate conversations with your coach, you're never going to get full value from coaching. So you have to be ready and willing to dive in with this person and, and Maybe it's hard to know uh, right off the bat, but don't stay in an uncomfortable position just because you're, you don't like that person's personality or whatever it might be. It has to be a, a fit for both parties, truly. Hmm. Wow. Thank you so much for that advice. Um, so I guess you're saying that a person should shop around, so to speak. It looks like you're holding mm-hmm. an audition, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not to go with the first person. 
So, and also you're going to have a deep relationship with this person. And because this is a person you have to know, like, and trust because you're going to be sharing intimate details with them about your business and finances. And Mm -hmm. the personalities, of course, have to mesh well. And know what you're looking for uh, in terms of, you know, the time. Is this going to be long-term? Is this going to be short-term? Obviously, with you, it's an 18-month commitment. Others, I'm guessing, have something shorter. And uh, you also mentioned the idea of working off referrals. Uh, mm-hmm. speaking with your peers about who, what kind of coach they're using and whatnot. And you mentioned that uh, it, it may not always be best to just go on Google and see what's on there. <laughs> you have to, again, find, you know, look for those referrals, hunt for them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so thank you so much for that amazing advice and whatnot. Uh, I think the need for coaches will go up in the future. So it's mm-hmm. uh, as more and more businesses are created and, and more and more people are now going into business coaching, uh, I think the number is going to double by the end of the year. Just incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's a big growing field. I see people becoming a lot more comfortable with the idea of coaching, with you know, that uh, they're, right. they're willing to get help. They're willing to speak up and say, yeah, I got a coach because I needed help. And I think that's a, that's an important shift that's right. happening right now as well. People are comfortable saying, like, yeah, I, I got a coach, and they're helping me. That's a good thing. Wow. That's amazing. And all the better for you. But obviously I'm guessing that might invite more competition as more and more because there's a low barrier right. to entry, right? So, so right. Right. you know, you have <laughs> – uh, um, so I guess it, it's some good. It may come with some bad, so to speak, or, you know, maybe not so much bad. Competition may make everyone better so to speak. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, uh, it's, it, it's, gra- it's a great thing that that shift is happening because hopefully the failure rate with businesses goes way down uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it reverses itself. So, um, again, thank you so much for that advice. And I'm, I'm curious, uh, just in general, what important life lessons, uh, and you shared quite a few with us already, but what important life lessons have you learned yourself or from others? Sure. Um, you know, I, I love coaching because it's constantly forcing me to get better. And this, this quote that I've carried around with me for a long time is a quote from John Wooden. And he says, success is knowing that you did your best to become the best you are capable of becoming. And that's a little old-timey language, but it's basically just saying, like, have you done everything you can to be the best that you can be? And maybe it sounds a little corny or cliche, but that's the, the most important thing I've taken from coaching for, you know, since I started with the three, four, and five-year-olds on the soccer field all those years ago is, are you trying to get better? Are you trying to be the best mm-hmm. possible version of yourself? And that's the, that's the thing that I enjoy most about my coaching is that if I feel stagnant, if I feel like my business is struggling, it's because of me. It's because I'm struggling with something. It's... Uh, it, those, those are signals that I need to grow and get a little bit better. And if I'm learning and growing and developing, then I'm going to be a better coach for my clients, and my business is going to succeed because of that. If I stagnate, if I stop growing, then I'm not showing up the way that I need to. And that's, that's the premier lesson for me in all of this is like, are we working to become a better version of ourselves? And if you're doing that, things are going to fall in your favor. 
call it call it luck, call it destiny, call it you know divine intervention, whatever you'd like to call it. But if you're working on being a better version of yourself, things are going to go your way. I truly believe that. And you know, every challenge that comes along has a lesson that's worth sharing. So whatever I'm going through, I need to find a way to translate it into my work to share that lesson with people and, and share what I'm learning with the people around me. If I'm doing that, I'm successful. Wow. That's wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for that and that quote. Uh, John Wooden, I, I like a lot. Um, definitely a successful uh, college basketball coach. Uh, won a lot of titles, and um, I think it was one of the best to ever do it. And you talked about continuously yep. learning, because obviously if, you're not, if something's not growing, it's dying, so you want to still stay on the cutting edge of what's going on and still stay up to, to uh, you know, up what's going You know, you want to find out what's going on, continue to learn, continue to read and whatnot. And, um, you know, they say that the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I think fully mm-hmm. understand that concept. You don't stop studying. You don't stop learning because your clients, you know, they deserve the the best and the best version of you, of course. So definitely, um, I love John Wooden. Love that quote. And thank you so much for that. And I'm I'm curious now. Um, we talked about certain books like the E Myth. Uh, he's written uh, mm-hmm. by Gerber. He's written several of them. Um, some specific to certain industries. I'm wondering what uh, what book recommendations uh, would you give to folks? Sure. I mean, if you haven't read uh, the E Myth Revisited, that's the that's the seminal book as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's the basis for a lot of work I do in coaching, and um, but it's the E Myth Revisited. I think is the book to start with. There. Um, look, I, I should have. Uh, asked you off the top, but uh, what I'd like to do is, is give away a few copies of the E-Myth Revisited to anyone who hasn't read it. Uh, they send me an email, and I'm, I'm going to get them connected with, the, with a copy of the book um, and give details at the end, but uh, I'd be happy to, to get uh, up to 10 copies out to anybody who hasn't read it if they're interested, uh, just to get them introduced to it. Beyond that, you know, I read a lot of different stuff. Some of the most impactful stuff that I've picked up recently um, there's a book uh, called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work, and that's by uh, Jason Freed and David Hansen, who started Basecamp. Uh, I think for a small business owner, it's just a really fantastic sort of read on um, building a, a work culture that works for people, you know, eliminating mm-hmm. the, the crazy hours and the expectation to respond to everything in 30 seconds or less. And, really impactful for a lot of the people that I'm working with. Uh, for personal development, I would say Atomic Habits by James Clear has probably been one of the most uh, impactful books for me uh, in that personal development space that I've read recently. Um, you know, I think there's uh, plenty of good stuff out there. The thing that I tell my owners that I'm working with is um, the books are worth it if you take an idea and apply it. So you know, I think each of those three that I've given you, E-Myth Revisited, doesn't have to be crazy at work, Atomic Habits. If you take one thing out of each or any of those, um, you're in a good good position with it. So I'll, I'll end my list there for now. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, I've, I've actually read uh, Atomic Habits uh, by James Clear. I think he, had, he, he also had a sports background where he played baseball or whatnot. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, he... Um, 
Yeah, that is definitely a great book, Atomic Habits. And I'm, I'm curious, are you ever going to write a book yourself? Uh, about either your life or about business or whatnot. I mean, I, I don't know if I'll write the, the the life story book, but yeah, I I do fancy myself a writer at times. So the the first one I publish will probably be uh, small business, personal development, the growth of the owner reflected in the growth of the business. And I think I've got that one in me at some point down the line. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, definitely keep me posted on that and. Yeah, now, we'll I'll definitely be the first person online to buy it. Uh, so you have at least All right, customer. great. Okay. To, so you have to start somewhere. And also, yeah, right. you can write a book on sports, you know. <laughs> um, I, I think the parallels you know, between now, sports and business, and maybe that's my second book. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, you know, you could tie it back to sports and whatnot. Um, and I'm curious, uh, now, would you ever start – or create your own podcast, because I think you'd be great as a podcast host. I appreciate you saying that. I don't know if I've got the, the time and the, to, and the dedication to, to get it up and running the way that you have with your show, but uh, I love guesting. So if there's anyone else who wants to, to have me on as a guest, I'm, I'm ready to talk for a while, as you can see from our hour and 15-minute conversation today. But um, I don't know if I've got the, uh, like I said, the time and the dedication to do it for myself. No worries. I totally understand that. And being a guest on other people's podcasts, uh, as one guest told me, that's where the magic happens. So I think that's a great okay. strategy like uh, for people to promote themselves. I'll, I'll try to introduce you to other uh, podcast hosts that I know. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. And you got it. I'll get going on that as well. And uh, so, you know, again, I wanted to go ahead and uh, thank you uh, for coming on here and being a guest. And don't mind the time. Um, usually when I have guests on, they, they spend longer talking to me than they expect. So this is fairly typical. I'm not sure why. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess when people you ask talk great, about you what ask they're great questions, about. that's why. You ask great questions, oh, that, that's, that's why. the reason. Okay. Yeah. So now I know the reason. So, you know, and uh, you can take I full it. credit. I've had I've, – Oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, because I've had episodes that are two hours long, over over two hours. And, uh, you know, it's interesting uh, because when people talk about themselves and their passion, obviously they can go a long time. And I'm completely fine with it. You know, um, some people complain about the episodes being too long. But I say, hey, Joe Rogan has the number one podcast in the world. And his show is three hours. So there you go. So there, you know. <laughs> Uh, so again, um, I want to thank you for being a uh, guest on this. has been a very enlightening, educational, and inspiring conversation. And uh, can you go ahead and describe all the ways people can reach out and connect with you if they want to, or if they know someone wants to use your services, or to put a dynamic center of influence in their network? Absolutely. Um, uh, my new website is launching here uh, next week or two. It's coachmattcarl.com, uh, C-O-A-C-H-M-A-T-T-C-A-R-L-E.com. Uh, my email is me, M-E, at coachmattcarl.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Matt Carl, business coach. Um, those are probably the three best channels. Uh, happy to, to hear from anyone, add those connections, uh, start some conversations or whatever might uh, come out of that. I'm happy to connect and, and increase that uh, that network size and volume. Absolutely. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much for that, Matt. And by the way, the, the information you just provided will be listed in the episode description box and also um, your generous, benevolent offer of uh, of the free copies of the EMIF Revisited book will be mentioned mm-hmm. as well in the episode description box so people can see it there. All right. So, again, thank you so much for that. <laughs> and I want to, again, thank you for being a guest on the show, and, and I want to thank the audience um, for listening. Is there any uh, last word or final send-off you want to say? No, just uh, thank you for having me on. Really enjoyed the conversation today, and uh, looking forward to talking again soon. You got it. Thank you again. And again, thank you to the audience. I'm going to be seeing you guys in the next episode. Everyone take care and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcast app, And if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, If you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, so uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a, a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, that would be great. And if you can email us, so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise. That'd be amazing. Uh, Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.